Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, July 15th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers have risked their lives fighting the coronavirus pandemic over the last few months. But some doctors have stopped working in hospitals to protect themselves and their loved ones. I've been through Ebola. I've been through Zika. It's exciting. It's great to be on the front lines, right? So to remove myself from the front lines felt very much like I wasn't a part of this moment. St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen tells us about a pregnant doctor in St. Louis who chose to take herself out of the action at the beginning of the pandemic. We'll have that in just a few minutes. Missouri Governor Mike Parson is weighing in on the St. Louis couple who brandished guns at Black Lives Matter protesters. St. Louis Public Radio's Jacqueline Driscoll says the governor has asked for help from President Donald Trump to protect the McCloskeys from any future charges. Parson says the McCloskeys had every right to defend their property by pointing guns at protesters as they marched on the street in front of their home. But what they should not go through is a prosecutor attempting to take their constitutional rights away by filing charges against them for protecting their property. The couple's weapons were seized, but they've not been charged with any crime. Parson hinted that he may be looking to remove prosecutor Kim Gardner from her post and that the president would offer assistance. In a statement, Gardner says Parson and Trump are playing politics and spreading misinformation. She says she is reviewing all the facts of the event. In Jefferson City, I'm Jacqueline Driscoll, St. Louis Public Radio. Leaders of a petition effort to put airport privatization on the ballot are disputing a recent legal opinion questioning the initiative's validity. St. Louis City's top lawyer says the petition, as written, violates the city's charter. Carpenters Union President Al Bond is leading the effort along with the St. Louis City NAACP. We certainly did not go into this endeavor without legal advice and understanding a charter amendment. So trying to poke holes in or or say these things, absolutely, it's politically motivated. Bond says he plans to move forward with the petition. It currently sits with the Board of Aldermen, which has the option of adopting the proposal. A separate but similar plan is awaiting final passage at the board. If approved, it would also appear on the November ballot. Educators face major challenges bringing students back to school next month and keeping everyone healthy. St. Louis Public Radio's Ryan Delaney reports on a test run at Gore Elementary School in Jennings. For the pilot summer program, 100 students are split into two groups that each attend every other day. After a health and temperature screening at the door, they eat breakfast spread 12 feet apart in the gym. 10-year-old Jada Randall says it's not great. Well, it's boring. You just gotta sit, like, away from people. Masks are required for staff and students, though they didn't always cover kids' noses and mouths. Teacher Mark Reed was willing to come back. He spaced out the computers in his classroom. Since we have a lot of safeguards in place, it made me feel very comfortable in doing so. But he says it can be hard to understand what his students say through their masks. I'm Ryan Delaney, St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis Blues Society is providing financial support to 150 local musicians who lost work when venues shut down because of the pandemic. The society has distributed $90,000 to blues musicians in the region. 
That includes Marty Spikner, a blues drummer and band leader who lost the chance to play live shows for months. It really cut into musicians' funding and money and stuff, you know, especially, you know, people that are dependent on this on a regular basis. The Blues Society raised the money with contributions from the Gateway Resilience Fund and the National Blues Museum. Doctors, nurses, and other workers on the front lines of fighting the pandemic put their lives at risk every day. Healthcare professionals are at greater risk of catching the virus and taking it home to loved ones, so some have made tough choices about whether they should be working with patients. One of them is an infectious disease doctor in St. Louis who was seven months pregnant when the virus was first detected in Missouri. St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen tells her story. Dr. Matifadza Hashwayo Davis remembers February being full of urgent hospital meetings and how everyone was full of anxiety over how little scientists knew about the coronavirus. At the time, there wasn't much research on how the virus could affect pregnant women like herself. I felt immediately like my pregnancy was almost hijacked. I went into this very busy, purposeful, worrying, unsure period From a pregnancy standpoint, this is a bonding, you're supposed to be nesting, and those things just cease to happen for me. Hashwayo Davis works at the Washington University School of Medicine and the John Cochran VA Medical Center. She wasn't super concerned about her health or her babies at first, until early March when she saw a patient who had symptoms of COVID-19. She remembers putting on as much protective equipment as she could, masks, gloves, and gown, but she wasn't emotionally prepared. My thoughts were just everywhere because I didn't have time in the way that you do in prepping for a clinic to really think through how I was going to approach this. Hashwayo Davis recalls that the patient was agitated and wasn't listening to her explain the risks posed by the coronavirus. The patient also refused to get tested. It was that case that day that made me say, I need to advocate for myself and figure out what is the plan for me specifically as a pregnant woman. Hashwayo Davis asked colleagues for advice and looked for studies that could offer insight, but couldn't find any definite answers. Then she talked to her obstetrician, Dr. Tim Philpott. He advised her not to see patients in person and wrote a letter to her employer to excuse her from that service. I said to her, you know, no matter what is going on as far as your job is concerned, I've got your back. You know, I'm the one who's telling you not to be in the hospital. But Josuayo Davis felt terrible about her decision to treat patients remotely. I've been through Ebola. I've been through Zika. It's exciting. It's great to be on the front lines, right? So to remove myself from the front lines felt very much like I wasn't a part of this moment. She was also worried that she wouldn't be seen as a team player, especially since as a Black woman, she always has to prove herself. Much like the way I second-guess myself in issues that have to do with me being a woman in medicine or being, you know, a Black person in medicine, you never want to be perceived as a problem or like you're drawing attention to yourself. And some of her colleagues didn't respect her decision. One male jokingly said to me he wishes he was pregnant so he wouldn't have to work, which was extraordinarily offensive. Especially given how intense it was to work remotely. Hashwayo Davis was responsible for taking calls from doctors at all hours of the day and night. Everyone understandingly was upset, right? Because in the beginning, we didn't have as much testing as we had now. We certainly should have had universal testing. So to be the gatekeeper for who has testing based on you know, lack of availability was terrible for me. 
Sometimes they'd yell at her, and she became short with people, too. Hushwayo Davis went into labor in mid-May. She recalls how warm the doctors and nurses were at Missouri Baptist Medical Center. Like, every person that greets you was just compassionate, and it's almost like they knew who they had to be in this time and in this moment for pregnant women. On May 16th, Hushwayo Davis gave birth to her daughter, Naniso Francis Speeway Davis. I was overwhelmed with gratitude and relief to have a healthy baby. And it made me realize just how much I had been afraid that something was going to go wrong. Being pregnant during a pandemic taught her that she needed to take care of herself and be a good mother. When she returns to work from maternity leave, the time she spent being kind to herself will help her better serve patients. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. Our David Casares edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.